Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Exactly why we are here, because we think we can make it better, and we can make it better by connecting faith with real life, and uh, that's what we like about a real faith and real Christianity, is that following Christ is not something that takes us away from the world and takes us away from problems or takes us away from doubts and difficulties and uh, or takes us away from secularized humanity. No, it just throws us right smack in the middle of it. And our job is to make sense of it through the Holy Spirit and through the scriptures that are given to us. And uh, we, we come out of a tradition where uh, people going all the way back to the, 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 the Greeks and the early Christians, the Gnostics, were trying to separate everything out. They were separating spiritual things from worldly things. And, uh, boy, that took hold. And uh, a good part of the beginning of my life uh, was uh, that kind of reality where you go to church and but that's separate from your work it's separate from uh your play your entertainment <clears throat> anything else you're involved in you know and uh uh that that's not the way it was meant to be all of life is sacred and uh, Jesus proved that by by becoming human so therefore everything he did was perfect and sacred, right? And he was human, just like you and me. So guess what? You know, uh, all of life is sacred. Um, now that now that he's been here and showed us that, uh, it's our job to find that out. So uh, I I got a little uh, sorry. I got a little long winded there. I'm, I'm taking too much time away from our guest, but I'm giving this background because our guest. Uh, tonight has done uh, connected these two uh, these two things the sacred and the secular uh, better than anybody I know of actually to tell you the truth and he's done it in a book about baseball that's right and uh, it's called Sermon on the Mound by Michael O'Connor we've had Michael on before uh, but it was a long time ago, and most of you won't remember it. So we're having him on again, and we're going to talk now that the season is in full swing and baseball's back. Thank goodness, thank God, we're going to talk about baseball and God. Those are the two things we're talking about for the next 
20, 25 minutes, Baseball and God. And to introduce um, Mike, I am going to uh, tell you, I got to tell you two things about this book. This is no lie. Uh, this, in my estimation, is the, this is the best title of, of any book I know of. Sermon on the Mound. Mound. And uh, it also has the best opening two sentences of any book I know. So I've given it the award, the award of both those areas. And uh, I, and I, and I, I, I'm a, you know, great proponent of, of this book. I'd like to see it come back. Uh, I, Michael's, we talked a little bit. He's thinking about uh, bringing it back again. And uh, I'd love to see that. We'll, we'll discuss a little bit about how the book is done so far. Um, but uh, uh, just to introduce uh, Michael before I bring him on, I'm going to read uh, the opening sentence. I believe in two things. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the one and only source from which all life flows, and baseball. Everything else is just sports and religion. Ah, I, I don't even need to read the book at this point. You know, that's the way I felt when I first read that. So welcome, my friend, my good friend, Michael O'Connor to Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Michael. <laughs> Mike. Oh, oh John. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think I nodded off uh, somewhere around when you were talking about the Greeks and the Gnostics. I think you lost me there. But uh, thank, lovely, thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. Now, yeah, I was. Uh, I remember being on your show uh, many years ago. I think there have been exactly three hundred and forty-eight episodes of this podcast since the last time. Not that I'm keeping count. It's you know, you never call, you never write. <laughs> oh dear! Now, now you're piercing my heart. Oh no, it don't. And and but. But Michael, you left California before we could go to a game. Yes, and you know, you and I have been to at least three or four games uh, in Anaheim Stadium, and it breaks mm-hmm. my heart that we, it will be a while before we can again. <clears throat> I used to live in North Hollywood, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, yeah, well, and and we just moved to Houston area, so you're going to have right. to come out here to see the the dreaded Astros. Yeah, I will. And I will follow. Uh, I'll do that. And I will follow the angels uh, on their road trip, and uh, because they play in Houston quite a bit, so they're both in the same division. They must be out there three or four times in, in a typical summer. So, yes. Well, I'll seriously think about that. That could be a, a really a, a great fun. So, Michael, you said you had something you wanted to read from your book that you thought would be a good introduction to our time tonight. Do you, do you want to take that? 
Sure, I, w- I would love to take that cue from you, John. Uh, it's not it's not too terribly it's not too terribly long. Uh, basically, I talk about in the first book. I, the book is breaking up broken up into innings. First inning, second inning, third, third inning. There's batting practice before the game. You wrote the forward, as you recall. Yeah, That's I do. Known as batting practice. And uh, even there's even a seventh inning stretch in the game here. But here in the first inning, I start off by saying, I am having an affair. My wife knows about it. My children have heard the two of us discussing it in hushed tones from rooms to which they have been exiled. My pastor and many on our church board have brought me in for counseling. Usually people are embarrassed when they find out and don't know what to say. Is it so wrong to love, I asked them. Is it a sin to follow my heart? They study the tops of their shoes in silence, but they are not being honest. You can see it in the reflection on their floor shines. They miss the romance in their lives. They yearn to rekindle the passion. Or perhaps I'm describing something they have never known. Although I have no proof, I believe I am secretly envied. I am having an affair. It's been going on since Kennedy was president. The first time I picked up a baseball, it wasn't all that special. The ball was small, round, dirty. I tossed it into the air and gravity had its way. I was a kid growing up in a home where the foundation was cracked and the structure was crumbling. Yet here, at last, was something I could depend on. No matter how grass-stained or scuffed was its skin, the ball remained loyal and would always return. Baseball revealed her inner beauty to me in 1963, and I have been helpless in her presence ever since. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's how how I feel about the game. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. And my wife is insane. Oh, Michael. Yes, we I'm lost here. You. Oh, that okay. was. We we lost you there for a second. Um, well, I don't know what happened. Uh, it just broke up. Maybe just a bad okay. connection. Can you go back to that last sentence? Oh, in the last sentence? Yes, I I, I just said uh, baseball revealed her inner beauty to me in 1963, and I have been helpless in her presence ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You really capture something there that, uh, you know, goes deeper than the game. And and I think that's, that's... for me, that's the beauty of baseball that a lot of people don't understand. Um, you know, my wife is one of those. She is not a baseball fan, but mm-hmm. she, has, she hasn't spent enough time with it uh, to go deep with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not. It's just not for everybody. That's that's pure and simple. But if sure. if you if you stick with it and and you and you go deeper, you find that there is so much about baseball that is 
very much like life. Uh, could you pick up yeah. on some of those, just just a few of those things, things about baseball that are so much like life? Well, uh, you know, they, the, the major league, uh, the, the powers that be in the major leagues right now are trying to uh, find ways to speed up the game. That seems to be mm-hmm. a, a main focus. I, I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It, mm-hmm. it, it, the whole point of going to a ball game is that you can take the take it at a leisurely pace. Yes, there might be thirty minutes of action uh, packed into uh, you know a three and a half hour game, but you have a chance to turn around to your seatmate and have a conversation and just let let the evening flow, as opposed to let's say, a boxing match where there's pow, 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 and there's intense action all the time, which, which is mm-hmm. good in its own merits. But, mm-hmm. but for me, uh, I, think, I think God wants us to stop and smell the roses. He wants us to enjoy. I mean, he gave us the Sabbath, for goodness sake. And he wants us to rest and enjoy, and everything doesn't have to be filled with action or car chases, as in movies. <laughs> uh, it, it, so, so it's really uh, a shame in my book that they're trying trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're uh, well, you know, the whole thing about extra innings uh, start with a guy on second. Um, oh please don't get don't get me started, John. Uh, yeah. I believe that is I, I, I believe that is of the devil. I I, I believe that Satan has gotten his hooks into the game now, yep. and it's tra- it's tragic. Yeah, it is. I I I totally agree. But you know, it, it makes you wonder. Um, you know, because life life is speeding up. Everything else is fast. Uh, younger people are used to getting stuff instantly, and you yes. got uh, you got internet, you got uh, you know, and so, and it's interesting. I, I think of the science fiction movies I've seen, and if I think of some of those science fiction movies, and I think of putting sports in there, baseball doesn't fit. It, it, you know, because the science fiction is all fast. It's everyone racing around, uh, they're, you know, and they're violent, and all this other stuff goes on when you, when you futurize everything. And, uh, sure. and here we are trying to speed the game up, which makes me, you know, it made me wonder, gosh, you know, do you think, do you think baseball could ever die? Oh. You ever thought about that? I- I hope not. You know, we've we've come so far with the game. You know, you talk about the futuristic aspect of baseball, John, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one of the great baseball movies of all time, Field of Dreams, accentuates mm-hmm. the past. It celebrates the past. It mm-hmm. celebrates the leisurely pace, the slowness. And I want to say that I think the the current young generation could really learn something. I mean, we don't have all the answers. In fact. We've proven by the things we've just ruined as as boomers that that we don't have all the answers. But I think this is one of the areas that the that the millennials uh, could really uh, take 
take a page from us in to, to sit back and enjoy the pace of whatever it is you're doing. You talk about mm-hmm. real life, you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and intersecting with God. Well, for goodness sake, he wants us to enjoy this life. He wants us to, to love our existence. And, and, uh, and he's given us such a gift here. And sometimes we just, we forget that it is a gift and we, you know, we want it to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. So, yeah. no, do I think he could die? Um, sure. I think, uh, if we're, if, if the major league baseball, it becomes so concerned with pleasing, uh, a current dem- demographic instead of, uh, it, keeping the game as true as, it, as they can, you know, I know things need to change, and they have changed with divisions and with playoff teams and mm-hmm. things like that. When you and I were growing up, there were two teams that went to the in the playoffs. It was called the right. World Series. There were no playoffs. Right. So, so I think it it actually could die, uh, but but if it died at the major league level, I'll say this: I think it wouldn't die. I think it would be reborn. I think it would be regenerated in the sandbox and in the in, in amateur fields and in the minor leagues and in places where where television cameras won't want to bother going. But maybe we'll get back out there on the field and be playing that game ourselves instead of watching the uh, the athletes doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Well. You know, everything is like that. Who, who was it that said, where is the life we have lost in living? Was that T.S. Eliot? I don't know. It just seems to me something like I that. Thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was Paul Williams, so I don't know. Uh, with, yeah, the, the songwriter. I, I don't know who he said. I've never, where, I've never heard that the, before. So I you know. never have. Where is the life no. we have lost in living? Yeah. That's but beautiful. It, yeah, it is. It is. And you stop and think about, you know, we get going so fast. Uh, my wife, for instance, just called up somebody last night that she hadn't talked to in a long time and actually was in a discipleship group with her uh, about two years ago. And uh, they've had a few conversations since, but not much. And and she talked, she talked for two hours. I I couldn't get her off the phone. I wanted to go to bed, you know. And uh, uh, we we have a routine when we go to bed that we don't go to bed separately. We go together, and uh, that involves you know a, a whole series of things. So I had to wait for her, and uh, I wasn't real happy about that. But then I stopped to think, uh, wow, what is life for? What what is it for? What 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 would we have done if if she hadn't made this phone call, and and what would have happened to this relationship? And yet here she was, just touching bases with another human being, and growing much more deep about her own life and the other person's life, and it was affirming to her and affirming to her friend, you know. And uh, we just we just got to stop and realize, you know, in a sense, how many how much of the things we do 
are an excuse to live, an excuse to be together, excuse mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, to have family, to have friends, to pray, to who knows. And uh, but you know, yeah. John, John, I mm-hmm. see the upside of this though, because you were patient, as patient as you could be, anyway. Uh, you can you can take that chip and trade it in to get Marty to come to a baseball game with you at you uh, Anaheim Stadium. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. She, oh, she has come. I, yeah, she she usually comes uh, on my birthday because I make it a a, a requirement that the whole uh-huh. family has to come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's, more, yeah, that's a wonderful tradition. It, it's so much fun, and uh, yeah, my my biggest my my most wonderful memory. I've I've got a picture of this. It was actually on my Facebook for. A year at least, maybe more. Um, but uh, uh, you see, I I happen to know John Carpino, uh, the president of the Angels, and um, oh my we were both we were both in a uh, y, at YMCA group of Indian guides, you know, and so we met once a week with all of our kids, and we went on two or three trips together, went to Catalina for a weekend. And, and so, yeah, we've rubbed shoulders a lot. And, uh, uh, I, I kind of have a bit of a running dialogue with him, uh, about things to do with the angels. And, uh, but my family got, got him on board and you know how they always do happy birthday to people. Um, and they Mm -hmm. usually list them and they scroll down. They scroll down, you know, one. So you're up there for maybe about four seconds, you know, and then there's the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And after all that, it was on the big screen. Happy birthday, John Fisher, for about two or three minutes. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. And I stood up. I stood and I had also dressed for this game. I, I, I saw somebody. <laughs> Dressed in their seersucker with a with a yellow bow tie, you know the whole thing. It was just like, you know, right out of the '30s. And I thought I got to do that sometime. And so I was I was all dressed. I stood up. I had my hat on, uh, and not my baseball hat. You know, my straw old style hat to go with the seersucker and the whole look. And sure. everybody all around me went nuts. They all clapped, and we all had a grand time and uh yeah it doesn't doesn't hurt to know the president you know i I'm oh no sorry. it doesn't I'm taking, I, I'm taking your time john, away from you. <laughs> you john this is not my time this is our time i consider it a privilege to be spending time talking with you <laughs> oh gosh well let's talk some more about where those connections come what i mean your book is full of them um well it, it may be hard to just pull them out of the air, but, you know, well, what, what occurs to, yeah, go ahead. What occurs to me, John, is that we're coming up on a, on a uh, rather hallowed uh, holiday this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, it's something that uh, affects different people in different ways, but it's Father's Day. And oh, yeah. uh, I've, been, I've been a father now for, uh, gosh, it's uh, this will be my 33rd Father's Day as a father, and of course, I've had many more as a as a son. 
celebrating his father. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the game of baseball is so intertwined for most mm. people with their fathers. You know, mm-hmm. I, my dad bought me my first glove. He, he bought, he got a ball and two gloves and I'm, I'm six years old. I'm five years old. And he takes me out in the backyard and says, let's play catch. And I go, okay, what do you do with this thing? You know, yeah. and it's, it, you don't know, but it's it's like in it's like in the movie Field of Dreams, a father and son playing catch is almost a a sacred thing, at least in the memory yeah. it is. Maybe not so much in the present moment because you're learning how to do something. You don't want to disappoint mm-hmm. Dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so it really, uh, the game is is very much tied up with fathers and 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 sons, and. Uh, I uh, I, rem- I remember I was looking through my book today, uh, and because I, I the book came out in 2001. I haven't looked in the book in in quite a few years, and so you forget things. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's hard to pull things out of the air. But but I really I really lit I think on this gem, and I'd like to to, to read a, a, a few lines here if I if it would be yeah. okay with you. Oh yeah, because it really. It really talks about uh, uh, fathers and and Father's Day. Now, mm-hmm. I was I was talking about uh, in this in this selection. I am uh, I'm in Pee Wee League, so I'm five or six years old. I'm just playing my first organized game. We have baggy uh, baggy uniforms on. Uh, it, 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 the games are 34 to 27 because nobody knows how to catch the ball. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's yeah. just one of those things. On this particular day that I'm talking about, my, uh, my, the, there was not only the regular game, but a father-son game. And so my dad, for the first time in, in my life, as I had seen him, took a, you know, went to the bat and took a, took a swing at the ball. And he actually hit it, and and this is actually on film. I have this moment on film, and so oh, it's wow. just a real treasure because back then, you know, in the '60s, not everybody had these cameras like we have with our phones now. So he hits the ball, and nobody is more surprised than him. And he runs to first base, and and by golly, if he didn't almost kill the kid at first base, he was so surprised he didn't know. What, he just knew he was supposed to run to the base, but when he got to first base, there was a, a three-and-a-half-foot-tall kid who almost got run over by my dad. And, and so it was, it was pretty crazy there. But anyway, th- that's just to set the scene here. Uh, I say to start with, getting on base equals daddy loves me. But what if you ground out? Does that mean daddy no longer loves you? Sadly, in some cases, it does. But real love, true love, the pure and selfless kind we find alive and breathing in the way Jesus walked it out in the New Testament is not conditioned on any specific outcome. When I tied my school to feats of athleticism, I exhibited selfishness. I wanted to do well so he would be proud of me, so he could turn to the other dads and brag on his son so he could bask in my reflected glory. Hmm. When I took my my cuts, 
I swung the bat to add prestige to my name to magnify my reputation. Why wasn't I driven toward the same greatness for my father's glory to magnify his name? Maybe the other dads would have slapped him on the back or bought him a hot dog because of what his son had done for the team. Or better yet, why didn't I shine the spotlight of favor on my father, my mother too, every time it shone on me, just because I loved them, because I was eight or 10 or 12 or 17, because it has taken me a long time to wrap my mind around this basic concept, honor thy father and thy mother. So I rewind the film and I watch it with fresh eyes. I see a man, middle-aged, risking humiliation before his peers because he loves his son and wants him to be proud of him. He's swinging the bat. He's made contact. He's running. He's trying. He's determined. He's safe. He's <laughs> exhilarated. He's avoided a manslaughter charge. He's proud. He's breathless. And maybe for an instant, he feels 10 years old again and scans the crowd, hoping his father, who never really knew how to show his love, would be there to share this moment, Mm. to bask in the glow of a son's first hit. How can I tell the man who put the first baseball in my hand, who guided my bicycle down the street the day he removed its training wheels, who sat cross-legged on the floor with me in full headdress at meetings of Y Indian guides. How do I tell without sounding corny or condescending what I know with absolute certainty? Oh, yes, he was there, Dad. The one who created you for this world and loved you before you were born, who tended your wounded heart and broken dreams as you were kicked around from home to home, He was there watching just beyond sight. Hmm. Your father was there. Hmm. And of course, we're talking, talking, thank you. We're talking about God, you know, that even though my dad did not have a a good home life himself at all. Uh He, it it was the, it was the hole in his heart, his whole life. And he Uh would never talk about it. And and it's only when I become a father that I even start to get a glimpse of stuff like that because I'm just too young. I'm 12, I'm 14, I'm 17. I just don't uh-huh. know. And I, uh-huh. and I don't really care. I'm, I'm yeah. really self-involved at that point. Yeah. But I look back now, and my father passed away, you know, three years ago at 93. He lived a good full life. But uh, there are so many things that were left unsaid between us. And and uh-huh. we, we don't always get that chance to come back and say those things like uh, Ray Kinsella uh-huh. did in, in Field of Dreams. Yeah. But I, I hope and I, and I certainly pray that we will have that moment again uh, in, in, in the heavenly fields of dreams. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, that's a, that's a beautiful story. And just another small example of the way this works and the way there's so many connections and how deep, how, how, how deep this support goes. I mean, I don't think, am I right? I don't think there's as much literary 
volume of material about any other sport as much as there is for baseball. Am I am I right about that? Do you think? Oh, John, it's disputable. I, you know what? I learned how I learned first how to read in the pages of the sporting news, which is mm-hmm. mainly baseball literature uh, in the sixties. And then, as I continued to read, I really learned how to write at the feet of the masters, the people mm-hmm. who knew metaphor simply and and excitement, and and there are more. Uh, great sports writers per square inch in this sport than any other sport, as you, as you said, that, that is mm-hmm. in any other sport. Mm-hmm. You know, um, oh gosh, I hate to say it, but um, our time's just about up, but uh, we're going to go over just a little bit because I get to do that. And um, I want, I want to have you talk about one thing about baseball that, it's, it's so obvious, but a lot of people have never thought about this. Be, and I know that because I, I was into baseball for a long time before I ever thought about it. And that is how different this sport is from, from other sports in, in, in this, you know, in this sport, the, the defense um, is the one that has the ball. And and, right. and and the the offense is the one who's trying to put the ball away and where they can't get to they're, it. They're and, trying uh, to get rid of the ball. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um talk about that whole that whole concept just a little bit because I think there's a lot in there that uh we don't realize because we never stop to think about it. Well, one thing, John, that, that comes to mind right away is is the clock. In baseball, there really isn't a clock, although not they're they're threatening to bring a clock in for the pitches next year, and they're probably uh-huh. going to do it. But but in a football game, when you are down uh, with to, to the two minute warning and you're losing by forty points, you cannot possibly win that game. You can't yeah. possibly lose the game if you have one, uh, if you are the one with the 40-point lead. Right. Time, uh, time uh, rules, rules the moment. Mm-hmm. But in baseball, you, there is never a moment. You get 27 outs. Each team gets 27 outs. And until you've made the 27th out, there is no artificial – barrier, a, in other words, a clock mm-hmm. or a count. Mm-hmm. And time does not, is not allowed to intrude on the game. The mm. umpire may say, come on, speed it up. Come on, we've got to get the game going. But you get your 27 outs for your team. And, and we have seen amazing rallies. They're not frequent, but there can be a 10-run rally in the ninth inning at, mm. and a team is down by nine runs. And it, mm. it does, and it's part of what makes it magical because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I used to uh, jokingly and, and boisterously, when people would leave the game in the seventh inning, I'd stand up and give a little militant, and I'd say, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you leaving? And I'd, I'd shout at them mockingly like, this game is going to turn around. You, you're going to miss it. And, and uh, 
you know, and I was joking, I was never one to try to get rowdy or, or cause real problems in the baseball game, but mock militants was my standard <laughs> whenever I saw somebody uh, leaving the game early. Because you never know, and that's that's the same. You never know. Uh, the mm-hmm. the pitcher Joaquin Andujar used to use this phrase, uh, and I think I put it somewhere in the book. But uh, he he makes it into one word. You never know. One thing about baseball, oh. you never know, and uh, you don't. Uh. So many so many crazy things can happen in the game, mm-hmm. in any in any moment, and you you just want to be there and you want to be ready for that moment. You want to be paying attention uh, wow. because when it happens, it's a snapshot in your mind that can stay with you forever. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, I hope this has been uh, encouraging to people. And unless you think that this is just only about baseball, it's not. Um it uh, like we say, uh, and why all the, the the why all the literary works that have gone in about baseball because baseball is basically a metaphor. It is a metaphor for life, and so this is not just baseball. It's it's everything. Uh, it's everything we do can do the same thing if we stop to think about it, and if we stop to see. What does God have to do with this moment? What does God have to do with what's happening here? And even in our entertainment, you know, what am I learning about God and about truth and about human beings? And how has this, how has this experience enriched my life? So, um, it's just a way of living. And uh, I, think, I think you've helped us with this book. Uh, just discover in this one, in this, just even this one area, how we can appreciate uh, more depth in life. So uh, thanks for writing it. Thanks. And I hope that, uh, I hope we can give it another run. And uh, um, I'll do anything I can to help that happen. Um, I want our people to go out and find it. Sermon on the Mound by Michael O'Connor. Can they go Amazon now? Could they get it on Amazon now? They cannot purchase it new. It's been out of print for over 20 years. But they can go to Amazon or other used bookstores like Abe Books or Powell Books, and and they will find it. They they will they will find the book there. uh, And so so definitely it it can't be found. And the and the tragic thing is, I get not a penny for those second time sales. But so my <laughs> my my older, my my youngest daughter will have to go to junior college instead of Yale. But that's okay. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. The, the yeah. important well, thing the important thing is that people catch up with the book in some way, shape, or form, and hopefully one day go. I'll be able to. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe back. maybe. Maybe Michael, when maybe when we're gone, you know, it'll sell a million, and uh, and uh, then I'll have the satisfaction of knowing that I wrote the forward for it. You know, oh, yeah. how about that, John? John, John you're not going to be alive <laughs> after me. You're going, you're going first, my friend. 
I'm, uh, in fact, I'm counting on I'm counting on you to smooth the way for me with St. Peter. So. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Michael, thank right. you so much. Thanks for sharing today. This is a lot of fun. And God bless you. And, and, and uh, I look forward to seeing you sometime in Houston. Uh, I, I look forward to it. That will be great. Okay. God bless you, John. It's always great to be with you. Thank you, too. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Okay, well, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher. Kind of makes you want to go out there and see a baseball game. Hey. Well, it certainly certainly does, John. Yep. Yep. Get into it. Okay. Keep your eyes out for it. Sermon on the Mound. Go find it. It's coming back. I believe it's coming back. God bless you all. Take care. We will see you next week on Blog Talk Radio, The Catch.